Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for September 20th, 2023, and I hope that everyone's week is going just fine. Um, I have said it again and again, I'll say it one more time. If you have not attended special services, you still have one more opportunity, okay? This will, of course, air tomorrow morning. Well, it's not going to be tomorrow morning for you by the time you see this, but it'll come out at 6 a.m. on September the 20th, which is the last day of special services. Seven o'clock tonight, Reverend Joe Fleming is going to be sharing about how the Lord is working, how, well, as we just read a few days ago, right, how the Holy Spirit is strengthening and encouraging the church. And I'm telling y'all, it's it has been such an illuminating experience. And I'm going to tell you something else interesting, too. Um, hopefully, by now, you will have seen um, yesterday's devotional. And in it, you'll hear me talking about the two kinds of people, right? How there's Christianity is the great divider of humanity. It's so neat how last night, or well, by the time this airs, it will have been two nights ago, that uh, that Joe said almost exactly the same thing. So, we see that the Holy Spirit strengthens and encourages in many different ways, and that Joe has no idea what I'm talking about in, in here in this time with, with you all, and in the same way, I had no idea what message he was going to be bringing, bringing a couple of nights ago, but, but nevertheless, I, I'm so glad that the Lord has, has worked things out as he has. Now, anyway, it's so good to be back with you. We are making our way through Acts. If this is your first time with us, maybe your first time ever. What we do is rather simple here. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through God's word. Now, this is not a sermon, okay? This is not some in-depth Bible study where I analyze every Greek word or anything like that. No, it's just a devotional, okay? I, I make side notes, right? And, and, I, and I try to, to give devotional application for the things that we read in God's word. And where we happen to find ourselves is in Acts chapter 10, right at the end of the chapter. Today, we are picking up in verse 44 of Acts 10. But where we left things off yesterday was at a major transition point. You know, it doesn't matter what movement it is. And I, I don't mean to reduce Christianity to a movement like all the others. I'm, I'm not saying that's what happened, what has happened with Christ. Okay. Christianity is not just a movement. <clears throat> However, it does mimic um, the movements in the world because in any movement, there are always transition points. The movements always come to a fork in the road, and depending on which way that fork goes, it drastically affects the rest of the movement, and it drastically, drastically affects where that movement is going to go from then on out, okay? Um and we have come to such a moment here, <clears throat> such a transition point with Christianity. If you recall, okay, so we're in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 1 begins post-ascension, right? Jesus has gone back into heaven. The apostles are making their way to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, we get the sermon at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fills the apostles. They speak in the known tongues. People convert Thousands are added to, and now, by the time we get to chapter 10, Peter has just started going out into the Gentile world. In fact, he was called, um, or he was summoned by a Roman centurion, 
uh, named Cornelius, right? Peter was given a vision on the rooftop of, of uh, the sheep being lowered down, all different types of animals, clean and unclean alike. On that sheet, he was told to kill and eat. I had to be told three times, this is Peter that we're dealing with and, and we would be far worse. But nevertheless, all of this goes on. And so reading between the lines here, we've got Christianity, which is very much a Jewish, I don't want to say a Jewish religion because Christianity is not a part of Judaism. It is separate from Judaism in that it is the fulfillment of Judaism. But you have Christianity very much linked to Judaism up to this point. And now they're at the fork in the road. Are they going to remain a, a, a predominantly Jewish connected religion where the principal membership is predominantly Jewish that has converted to Christianity? Are they going to do that? Or are they going to actually do what Peter has been convicted of? Yesterday we read in verse 34, then Peter began to speak after he said to Cornelius, hey, what am I doing here, right? Cornelius shared with Peter the vision that he had received, a call for Peter. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And then he goes on, and again, Joe talked about this a couple of nights ago, but he then goes on to bear witness to what he has seen, to what Jesus has done, okay? Um, and y'all, as, as Joe was talking about a couple of nights ago, especially in the Muslim world, this is the real power of presentation there, right? The, the power of the presentation of the gospel. They do not believe the New Testament. They believe it's been corrupted and all that sort of stuff. But what they cannot deny is, this is what I've seen Jesus do for me. They cannot deny that personal testimony, okay? So, so Peter offers that personal testimony. He testifies to Christ. In the midst of this is where we left off yesterday. Where's it going to go from here? Will Cornelius and his household convert? Uh, will they be welcomed? Big question. When Peter gets there, he says, hey, look, guys, you know that it's illegal for me. It's, it's against our laws for me to even associate with you, much less come into your house and eat with you and all of these different things. That's beside the point that Jesus was doing it years before. But nevertheless, nevertheless, where's it going to go from here? Well, let's pray and then we'll read our Father, please be with us now and guide us in this time as we look back at the history of Christianity, as we look back at your faithfulness and on what you have done, and as we appreciate, Father, as we appreciate the expansion of your kingdom, for in that expansion we have been brought in. So please, guide us now. Let us see the truth. Let us see the application to us, to our lives as well. And we pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so all of this is going on in Cornelius' household. What's going to happen? Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, remember that remember Peter came from Joppa and a group came with him from Joppa? Okay, remember back. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out 
even on the Gentiles. You know, this is a fascinating thing. Again, you got to read between the lines here. It's like, well, why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because listen to how this group is described that came with Peter. They're described as circumcised believers, also known as Jews who had converted to Christianity. These men were circumcised. That means they were previously Jewish. And as they're watching this, there it, it, it really does baffle the mind. It, it just, it boggles the mind that, that, that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit too. Again, I, I keep coming back to some of the things that Joe talked about. Y'all, what we see going on in other parts of the world, I, I mentioned this days ago when we talked about this, this wonderful peace that had come at the end of chapter nine. This blanket statement is made that the church had peace, right? But also that the Holy Spirit continued to encourage and strengthen the church. And we talked about what that encouraging and strengthening looks like. We saw signs and wonders with Peter, right? But but the sign is the key, right? Signs testifying to Jesus's authenticity, right? It works a little bit different now, but not all that different. But that's a that's another devotional and sermon series and an argument and knockdown drag out altogether. We're not even going to go there right now. But we've been talking about what this looks like. What what the Holy Spirit strengthening encouragement looks like is barriers being broken down. It looks like paradigm shifts as well. As Joe talked about, he he mentioned his previous work in India, right? In India as Hindu and Muslim. And he mentioned one of the big challenges there was that Hindus would receive the gospel and they were the best ones to carry it to their Muslim neighbors because they understood the culture of India, that the best missionaries are ethnic, are, are local missionaries, right? And he made a wonderful point. If you took an African convert and you said, all right, I'm going to send you to America. Now go evangelize people. Think about the learning curve, right? So obviously you want to do, you want to use an African in Africa to do that. In the same way, you want to use an Indian in India. And so these Hindu believers started to, to, to convert, right? This amazing thing. And then the time came for them to share the gospel and make disciples. And they didn't want to carry it to the Muslims, right? And part of this was, that, that there is such a sharp divide between Hindu, uh, Hindus and Islam, Hindus and Muslims. And it took a while to penetrate that. Guys, as, as, as Pat Patterson so aptly said a couple of nights ago, what we see going on in Africa and around the world is Acts 9. What we see is the book of Acts taking place. And praise be to God for that. But just like the wonderful things that took place in Acts are taking place around the world, so are the challenges. It's the same thing, y'all. Here, read between the lines. These Jews that have become Christians are like, who invited the Gentiles to the party, right? They're amazed that they that they could, even the Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. Keep on going. Verse 46, uh, the reason they were amazed is for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, this is one of those passages where we could argue all day long. Previously, we see speaking in tongues is known languages, okay? Pentecost, that's what we see. Is that what's happening here? 
I'm going to say, yes, that's my personal opinion. I'm open to others. But nevertheless, nevertheless, um, the reason I say that is there's no shift in explanation of what tongues are, right? And it's the same language used back in Acts chapter 2. So I'm only assuming based on how the word is actually written that that's what's going on. But I don't know that. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter, okay? They're speaking in tongues. Obviously, they are praising God. Then Peter said, verse 47, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Now, that's a weird statement, pausing for a second. Why do you think Peter asks that? Now, I go back and forth, because remember, All we have is some of the statements being made. We don't get all of the statements being made. But Luke records some of the statements being made. But what we don't get is a glimpse into Peter's mindset. Okay, We we don't know what's going through Peter's mind as he sees this thing taking place. But I think we get a glimpse into not only what's going through Peter's mind. I think Peter understands what's going through the minds of the ones that are amazed that the Gentiles can receive the Holy Spirit, right? I think that Peter is looking forward here as well. I think that Peter's looking forward to what he's going to have to deal with when he gets back to Jerusalem. Namely, how is Peter going to answer for baptizing Gentiles? Y'all remember, according to Jewish law, you're not even supposed to touch Gentiles, much less baptize them. Y'all, this is serious business. But Peter asked this question. Of course, it's a rhetorical question. Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? But it's not just that he's asking about baptism, okay? I think the real question that Peter's really getting that after he's seen how the Holy Spirit's work. And again, remember, this is the product of a vision that was received by Cornelius and received by Peter, okay? So God is working in the background. The Holy Spirit is enabling in the background here. I think what Peter's really asking here is, can anyone stop the gospel? Can anyone slow down God? Can anyone tell God his business? You see, Peter recognized that he didn't work up the Holy Spirit within himself way back at Pentecost. No, 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 no. He realized, well, remember, he was with Jesus when Jesus promised to send the helper, the counselor. It's good for me to go so that I can send him to you, right? Peter heard all of these things firsthand. So Peter knows that the Holy Spirit is not a possession of his own for him to dole out as he sees fit. He knows that he has no authority over the Holy Spirit. And y'all, that's where we got to be careful with with modern day stuff right there, especially when it comes to the gifts and that sort of thing. There are those out there that believe we we wield the Holy Spirit, almost like we capture the Holy Spirit and use the Holy Spirit for our own purposes. I, I saw a, a job posting not too long ago for a pastor in a Presbyterian church, and, and I'm not going to say which denomination. It was not in, in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. I will tell you that much. But in the job description for the pastor, and, and let me be clear, I am not looking for a job, okay? A, a, a colleague sent this to me, and I would never get into that denomination anyway. So look, I just want to give that caveat. Anyway, he sends it to me because of what was in there. 
In that job description, it said that in order to be hired as pastor, not only must you possess all of the spiritual gifts, right? And, and that's fine. That's fine. But you must be able to use them and teach others to use them. Basically on command. Y'all, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. We don't go around wielding the Holy Spirit like a club. There's, there's no switch that we flip within ourselves that allows us to heal and all that. Oh, that's the stuff of TV preachers that just want your money. Instead, we're vessels. Our calling is to yield to the Spirit, but to be ever ready. Because, y'all, this God that we serve, again, Ephesians, he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That means using people like me. It means using people like you. So Peter, I think, when he asks this question, and it is an odd question, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? I think he's really asking, can anybody slow God down? Nah, it's a rhetorical question. He goes on, he says, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Again, God shows no partiality. And this statement that Peter makes, y'all, this is the fork in the road statement. To compare the Gentiles to the Jews, to say, hey, they're, they're just like us. I cannot imagine a more radical, extreme, unthinkable statement. I talked about it yesterday with you. Remember, okay, to say that Jews and Gentiles hated one another. Oh, and especially on the Jewish side, there, there, were, there were loads of Gentiles who didn't even know who, what a Jew was, right? But as far as the Jews were concerned, again, you know, going into somebody's house, even touching them. Remember all the stuff that Jesus had to deal with, right? The, the, the Pharisees got upset with him because his disciples weren't washing their hands before meals. It was really, they weren't baptizing their hands. They weren't cleansing their hands just in case they might have bumped into a Gentile, Right. Um, that's not a good way to, to make friends and influence people in the, in the Gentile world. But the Jews loathed the Gentiles. And so for Peter to say this, y'all, it's unbelievable. Verse 48, so he ordered that they be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now, <clears throat> because this is Peter, you would think, all right. Good to go. Everything is just, hey, the, the road is paved for, for everybody to join hands and sing in perfect harmony and song, right? Gentiles, Jews alike. Chapter 11, verse 1, and then I'm just going to introduce this and we'll come back to it tomorrow. But the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Y'all, it just goes to show. It just goes to show. While Jesus is working very clearly, right? While the word of God is going forth, could you imagine a group of people that given the growth, the explosion, the wonderful things taking place, that when they hear about a group of people receiving the word of God, 
and, and realize the word of God is the revelation. It's how God reveals himself to us. As a side note, interestingly enough, don't think for a second that they didn't know that this was the New Testament unfolding before them. They equated what Peter was doing with them with the word of God. Later on, Peter would refer to Paul's writings as scripture. Okay, that, that's a complete side note. That should do away with all this liberal garbage that, oh, well, Peter and Paul, they didn't know they were writing the Bible. Yes, they did. But all, all of that aside, all of that aside, could you imagine people hearing, oh, they're receiving the word of God. They're finding out how to not die and go to hell for all eternity. Oh, and by the way, they're joining forces with us and they're telling others about Jesus. Can you imagine somebody hearing that and being upset about it? Well, <clears throat> you may not be able to imagine that. But let me just tell you something. You want to know one of the most dangerous times for any church? It's when that church is growing. It's when you get new people in, because new people, they bring new ideas. Watch out now. They might want to change some things, y'all. That gets real dangerous. Now, the devotional application for us here is that uh, I don't know everybody's church background. I know a lot of you are from Old Providence, and, and I appreciate y'all faithfully tuning in. Some of you, we've got people from the UK. We've got people all over the place that listen to this. I don't know where you are, but my point is this. Just like the Jews should have been elated over people receiving the gospel of Christ, when it comes to the church, we ought to be elated that the word is going forth. We ought to be so happy that God is growing his kingdom. And if you're a part of a growing church, that means that you got to be sensitive to some things. You know, it, it, y'all, American Christianity is full of churches, full of churches that have resisted change at every turn. And sometimes that's not a bad thing at all because some change really must be resisted because we've got to hang on to the content of God's word. You can't let it go. The challenge is contextualize the content, right? You, you keep the content, but you contextualize the content, okay? Nevertheless, there are loads of churches that have, have been just like these Jews um, that instead of celebrating the expansion of the gospel, Instead of celebrating how the Lord is working in their midst, instead they become closed off. They become frightened by change. They say, ooh, whoa, let's calm down here. You know, instead, these people have to learn how we do things, right? Um, and, and I'm not saying that, that churches should just follow the whims of, of the people that come lately. That's not what I'm saying at all. But y'all, there's a warning here. There is a warning here for us. And we're going to see it unfold with the church in Jerusalem. It's not that the Lord's going to stop there, but we're going to see the focus of Christianity dramatically shift to the Gentiles. And the reason we're going to see that in part is because you don't find all the baggage that you find with others. Now, we'll talk more about that as we go along with things, and we'll pick up in chapter 11 tomorrow. But this is your devotional thought for today. Check your heart. You know, as it relates to, to people that may come to your church, check your heart as it relates to people around the world. You know, as we talk about where Christianity is growing, it's booming in Africa. And this may surprise you, but sometimes people have problems with Africans. I know that's not the most shocking thing I've ever said. But y'all, this is an opportunity to examine your heart, to examine what you really think about the gospel that you receive. And to examine if you realize that Jesus is the greatest gift that could ever be given. 
And if you really believe that, then you know it needs to be shared with others. So take this opportunity to do that self-examination. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. I praise you again that your word has gone out. Help us. Help us to examine our own prejudices. Help us to examine our own hearts. And Father, help us to appreciate that you can't be stopped. That your son meant it when he said he's going to build his church and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. And help us to be grateful that you've allowed us to be a part of it. I pray these and all things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And again, you got one more night tonight, 7 o'clock. Um, and also, it is our ice cream and dessert social. So just saying that I don't want that to be your only incentive for coming. But I'm telling you, you will be blessed richly, richly by our time together. Until we meet again, take care.